0: Step 11 is one of the great pillars of the steps of our program. But before as we before we get to each week, we do a review. We get into the specific step that we're going to talk about. We'll begin the first step in talking about what is the problem. I want to say this is the foundation of recovery, and this is the the greatest information that I've had as an alcoholic is to be able to understand the exact nature of my problem. For many years, I had a problem and I didn't understand it. As I o- often, I realize today that AA is about the only place where we can find out you know, really what our problem is. Uh, uh, I-, I tried a many solutions, but I didn't understand my problem. When I come down to our Anonymous, they show the exact nature of my problem. And they said it is twofold. I had a physical problem, a physical allergy to alcohol. <clears throat> and I learned that, you know, the word allergy is an abnormal reaction. Something occurred to me that doesn't occur in the average temperate drinker. Uh, and that's the only thing, uh, uh, an allergy is what is abnormal, that I was an abnormal drinker. And I didn't never understand that I was an abnormal drinker because I was an abnormal all my life. And abnormal was really normal for me. Whenever I took a drink, something occurred in me. And from the very first drink, I remember. Uh, every time I took a drink, I had a desire or a physical craving for another drink. And when I was, uh, and the more I drank, since it was caused by alcohol, the more I drank, the more I prayed. Uh, and you know, I wanted I wanted to drink harder after ten drinks and I did after one. And if i craving, build and build and build and every time I take a drink, it'll go on and on and on and I got in a lot of trouble. Now, my life was unmanaged. So, you know, this wasn't this was a problem and this was just half of my problem. And quite naturally, if you're allergic to something, the same answer is the same. Dr. Silkworth says, if we'll never put alcohol in our system, Uh, uh, who will never experience the craving of alcohol. And it's easy. If you don't take the first drink, you'll be all right. That's simple. That's too simple for an alcoholic. I thought it was the fifth drink or the tenth drink, but it was the first drink. But later on our book says that this is academic in a way. It's very important to know, but this this is academic if we didn't take the first drink anyway. Our book also says, therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind, mental, rather than his body. This is is a big part of the problem. And we now will be able to drink safely, drink alcohol. But the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. Why do we take that first drink? And our book book says we have an obsession. And we learn that obsession is an idea that overcomes all other ideas. And when the book says we become restless here from discontent, and we become a lot of other things. You know, we really work at this. Uh, We get bored, and we get lonely, and we get uptight. And when these things become painful, then we will remember the sense of ease and comfort. The comfort of what? Taking a few drinks of alcohol. We remember the ease and comfort of alcohol. Or do I remember, in my mind, the longing for the sense of ease and comfort that I knew would come into my life at once if I took a few drinks of alcohol. Every alcoholic, no? you yeah. Those normal people don't know about it. That's why they say, why did you take a drink? I thought you quit. See, but they don't know about the ascension, ease, and comfort that we get. And if they did, they would be reaching for a few too. <laughs> but we get something that they don't get, and they probably, they don't need, maybe they will. But they're longing for their ascension, ease, and comfort in the mind makes us reach out to pick up a few drinks of alcohol, put it into our system. And as soon as the alcohol hits the system, it becomes a physical allergy. The physical allergy is triggered and we we'll go through the well-known spree, as the doctor said. From with a firm resolution, not to drink again, he said, this is repeated over and over again, over and over and over and over and over, for so about 16 years of my life. Always gonna quit. Miracle go around, get smaller, smaller, smaller. The doctor says unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, he leaves the body and goes to the mind. There's little hope for his recovery. Okay. And the second step shows us the solution. It says, "Come to believe that a power." Whether ourselves can restore us to sanity. And it's quite obvious. And obviously, you know, we don't, we really get the second step off of the first step. By looking at this information, we can develop the second step. Since we don't know anything, medical science and no one else can treat the allergy about the says maybe one day they will. But at this point today we don't really don't let, we don't know anything about it, so we can't do anything about the body. So the solution must lie within the mind. And since the the physiology is not the main problem anyway, the solution would be over here in the mind. This is the main problem. And since we're powerless, the solution is power. uh, Restores the sanity, talks about power working in the mind. If this power could remove this obsession, then we would live with the allergy, the alcohol, Probably would never take the first drink. So the second step talks about a solution to the problem. And then if that's the case, if we know that that uh, the solution is power and that the problem is powerless, then the next thing is then the main purpose of the book is starting from three to 12, is, is, is how to find that power. You know, we have a plan program of finding that power. A little step-by-step program in which it says that it's guaranteed that everyone who has taken this, has, who has followed this plan, never have seen anybody fail that has followed this plan. But the only thing that the 12-step promises this is, is a a spiritual awakening. These steps will awaken us. Therefore, finding this power which will overcome the powerlessness. These steps are designed to do that. So in the step three in the White is based on one and two. If you have one and have two, then you have a decision. Decision needs to cut facts in two. And there are only two facts in the alcoholic's life there. Right? Uh, of course, before I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had many things I wanted to do. You know, I could say, well, I could get my wife back, I'll be all right, I I'll move to California. I had a lot of decisions to make. Alcoholics, you know, decisions killed alcoholics. I heard a guy tell a story about this guy, <coughs> my favorite story, but the guy who had a job working out in the field digging potatoes. And it was a back-breaking back, back job. And he would, uh, you know, how you just couldn't hardly stand up at her and potatoes all day. But the guy was good and the boss watched him. To, and he saw that this guy was a real good worker, you know, he didn't goof off, he, he worked. And so finally one day they came into the, the shed and they asked him, they said, you know, you're a good worker, I like to keep you around. So I'm going to take you out of the field and I'm going to put you in the, in the potato house. And you won't have to pick up any potatoes no more, all you got to do is sit on this, Stew, and as the potatoes come by, I put the big ones over here, the little ones over here, and the rotten ones over here. And he said, that's good. So he, this guy worked there. He didn't work for about an hour. He called the boss back. He said, look, I would like to have my job back in the field. The guy said, well, you mean you don't like this job in here, sitting down, sorting the potatoes, better than being out there in the field? He said, I'd rather be out there in the field because these decisions are killing me. You know <laughs> And that's all the way it is with an alcoholic You get up. These big decisions. You know, we have some, alcoholic has a big decision. And honestly, he has never seen the truth. Once he sees the truth in the first step, he don't have that man's decision. He don't have the two alternatives in his life. He doesn't have to go to California. That ain't one of his decisions. He has two alternatives. He can continue as he is, step one, insanity or death. Our life on a spiritual basis. Those are the only two alternatives that real alcoholic has. And once we make that decision in step three, then we have to go to work to carry out this decision in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. These are the action steps that carry out the decision. Step three is but a decision that says it would have no permanent effect. So I'm going to work in step four to remove the things that block us off from this power. And it talks about what we went through and we inventoried resentments, fears. We inventoried our, our, our sex conduct of the past and the people we had harmed. Then in step five we uh, talked about this to another individual um, and got to the exact nature of the problem Except, he doesn't have to go to California. That ain't one of his decisions. And you won't have to pick up any potatoes no more. All you gotta do is sit on this stool, and as the potatoes come by for the big ones over here, the little ones over here, and the rotten ones over here. And he said, that's good. So he, this guy worked there, it didn't work for about an hour. He called the boss back. He said, look, I would like to have my job back in the field. The guy said, well, you mean you don't like this job in here? Sitting down, sorting the potatoes, rather than being out there in the field. He said, I'd rather be out there in the field because these decisions are killing me. You know. <laughs> and that's all the way it is with an alcoholic. Get you up. Know. These big decisions. You know, we have some alcohol to a big decision. And honestly, he has never seen the truth. Once he sees the truth in the first step, he don't have that many decisions. He don't have a two alternatives in his life. He doesn't have to go to California. That ain't one of his decisions. He has two alternatives. He can continue as he is, step one, insanity or death. Our life on a spiritual basis. Those are only two alternatives, that alcohol, uh, real alcoholic has. And once we make that decision in step three, then we have to go to work to carry out this decision in four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. These are the action steps that carry out the decision. Step three is but a decision. It says it would have no permanent effect. So we go to work in step four to remove the things that block us off from this power. And it talks about we, we went through it, we inventoried resentments, fears, we inventoried our, our, our sex conduct of the past and the people we had harmed. Then in step five, we uh, talked about this to another individual um, and got to the exact nature of the problem. Step six, we became willing to let go. And step seven, we asked God to remove. It. Then step eight and nine, we uh, went out and repaired the damage done in the past. You know the harm that we have done to others. And these things are, the guilt and all this stuff is in our minds. And once these things are gotten out of the way, then after step now we have the promises of the book. You know, we will know a new freedom. It talks about a personality change sufficient to recover. It takes place gradually, as we can see, as we take these steps. You know, as an alcoholic, you know, I can stop drinking. And alcoholic stop drinking. In fact, I can tie you to one of those trees out there and you stop drinking real quick. Yeah. Oh, you go know, if you want to stop drinking, like that's that one in Polisman. You'll stop real quick. You know? But, you know, that's no big deal. But you know, just to stop drinking, but I couldn't change my life. I was still the same person. I still had the same thing going on. And it, so, th- these steps bring them don't, we have already stopped drinking? But these steps bring about a gradual personality change uh, as we take these steps, sufficient to recover from alcoholism. Now after we have worked on self and worked on our minds in uh, four, five, six, and seven, worked on our spiritual life in step three, worked on our relationship with God in steps eight and nine, then we have the promises of the book because the personality change. It's sufficient. It's beginning to take place. After step nine, even though we're just halfway through at this point. And once we have these promises, then in step ten, we continue to work on our pers- our personality. We continue each day, as we talked about last week, on a day-to-day basis, watching for self. We watch for resentments. We watch for fears. And when these things crop up, you know, we ask God to remove them we discuss them with someone else immediately and we make amends that we'll harm that and through working step 10 on a continuous basis we continue to work on our personality continue to having a change and i think the exciting thing about our apocalypse we can constantly change and change for the rest of our life and we can grow based on what we're willing to do and then after we have done that for a while for a period of time with step 10 Now we've done a lot of work. Step three was a decision. Step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine were action steps. And really step ten was just a continuation of the process of four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Now as we practiced this over we refine the personality and we grow. Now after we have grown to a point then we can this brings us to to step 11. And step 11 is really one of the is one of the, the pillars of the steps. As we said you know we, we take the steps one and two brings us to three and then the steps kind of you know it talks about the bridge. I like to look at this as a bridge and the real pillars of this thing is to me is three and eleven. Three is a decision based on one and two, to turn over our will. Clear away the things that block us from the decision, and in step 11, we receive God's will. So the simplicity is these two things. The changing of directions. Changing our lives is based on changing directions you know you can't use the same directions and go to a different place that's obvious if you want to go to a different place with your life that's what we share here in the birthday we have to change directions so tonight if we have worked these steps made this decision took these actions now we should be able to receive god's directions in our lives and, and step, t- step 11 is a tool, you know, to do this, to receive God's directions. It says through prayer and meditation. And simply prayer and meditation is, is simply an ability to listen to talk and to listen to God, who is within us, by the way. We talked about that. Remember we said early God is within me. You know, this is nothing new to any of us that's been there all our lives. All of us have a conscience, all of us have, some of us may call this a soul, some of us may call this an intelligence, or guidance, or whatever we choose to call it. But we all know, you know, we don't have to read no great books to find right from wrong. we also, I've had always had a sense of direction within my life. Either, before I come to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was there, now that I know what it is know, so they say God is within me. And I've always known right from wrong. You know, I, I've never told a lie that I didn't know I was lying. <laughs> Not really, I really You know, you don't lie by accident. <laughs> you know, I've always known, but I you know, I've always known what was right. But being an alcoholic, you know, I'm a selfish, self serving person all you know, my life. I have, right and wrong was never my problem, you know. I I, write, I always do right and wrong. But an alcoholic, it has three things. If it was right and wrong, we would never, we'd always be saints. But An alcoholic has right and wrong and what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and what I want to do seems to always win. See me? But if I could get rid of self, if I could get rid of what I wanted to do, then right and wrong, I could handle. It. But I could never handle that, because what I wanted to do, damn near killed me. But I always knew right and wrong. But it was a biggie up there what I wanted to do, and that's that's the that 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 is sad. So tonight, and we talk about this, it says prayer and meditation. Um, and I've never known, now I'll talk about this, I've never known the alcoholic that wasn't good in prayer. Prayer kind of goes along with it, a good alcoholic, you know. If you was an alcoholic, like, I oh, would well, you do a lot of praying. Yeah. You but know, because we get in a lot of situations, you know. I use prayer as an emergency situation, mostly like medicine. I took it when I was sick, you know. But this talk, and this... This book tonight and in the 11th Step, it gives us this tool to use to fashion a life of prayer and meditation. You know, after all, as we made this decision and got rid of self will, then the, there's only two wills on the face of this earth. You know, the will of God and the will of man. And the only way, you know, in our life, in the human life, God gave this thing self-will. He gave it to man. And the only only we can make the decision to get rid of. It. And as we clear away the things that block us off, we find that God's will is already within us. Our book said it's been there, it's been covered up by calamity, pop, and worship and one of other things. And now through step eleven is it's to awaken this thing. And it's not an overnight matter. You know, it takes it takes practice. It takes daily work and prayer and meditation, you know, to really make it uh, firm enough and vital and in, in the human life and only we can do this. We get what we work for. It begins a little on page five. It says, is it easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels? Or we're headed for trouble if we do for alcohol and settle for You know, you can't rest with this thing. You're gonna have to grow continues for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, we alcoholics, I think one of the greatest uh, things that defeats us in, in the problem of alcoholics and is our complacency. There's really a built-in complacency in our program. You know, we who we have a lot of problems in our lives, a lot of trouble in our lives, and it's these things, uh, as we work our program in our early days and our lives get better, you know, it, it's really natural to stop. So it's easy to work when you first come to the program. It's really, it's, really, it's really easy to work this program when you don't have a job and you're broke and everything's gone to hell. People yeah. will we'll get the wrinkles out of our stomach, we'll get the car back, you know, and all these other things. When you get good, it's kind of hard to work these steps. You know, I mean? you know I mean? it really gets hard. And so these are, it's really the the goodness and the greatness of the quality of the problem that really stops us from growing. And many of us will never see, you know, we can only grow through pain. We don't grow through good good things that happen in our lives. But if we practice these things on a daily basis, and it talks about, you know, what do we do? Every day we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. So we must carry, and that's that inner, that spiritual vision that comes through step 11 as we receive God's direction. We must carry that vision into all our activities. Every day. How can I best serve be thee by will, not mine be done? These thoughts must go with us constantly, constantly not just when we're in trouble. So we can exercise our willpower along this line. All we wish is the proper use of the will. And finally, we have our will back. There is a proper use of will, to carry out God's will in our life. You know, we've been using self-will as a destructive force. Now he tells us how we should be using it. Much has already been said by receiving strength and inspiration and direction, direction from him who has our knowledge and power. We have talked about this all through the steps. If we have carefully followed directions, if we have carefully followed these ten directions, that's what they are, there are ten directions that other people have followed. If we have carefully followed those, we, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. We have already begun to sense that, and we haven't, you know, haven't come to that to some extent, we have become God-conscious already. We've begun to develop the vital sixth sense. And I think you know how subtle the book is. It says talks about the sixth sense. And you know, we we human beings have a life here you know, on the face, of this earth, and basically we have five senses in which to re- uh, retrieve data to run our life. You know, we can see. We can hear, or we can taste, we can touch, and we can smell. That's about the only connections we have outside of us. You know, we got a brain, all of us got somewhat of a brain, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's a, the brain's up here in this box. It it can't, you know, it, it does all the, you know, the data, right? But it's back here in this box. And we have to feed it information, right? It's pretty good, but it's based on the information it gets. (laughs) That's what we see and hear, what we smell and taste and feel. We feed into it, and it tells us how to respond and react, right? And we rely on those five senses, right? But the book says there is a sixth sense of direction in each and every individual. That's the one we've been cut off from. That's the one we have blocked out. That's the one we have worked these steps to get down to tonight. Now we want to awaken that inner sense of directions. You know, we call we said earlier, we can call it what you want to call it. Some people call it their inner intelligence. Some people call it their conscience. Some people call it their soul. Whatever you want to, it's that inner self, that thing that tells us and directs us, that tells us when we're wrong, and that same same thing to say you shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's it. How do you call it? What you want to? But now to awaken that sixth sense and to train it and use it. You know, I never used prayer meditation as a tool. I think it's one thing Bill said it was one of the most. He said this is one of the most or most important things that he learned out of the whole program, and that's saying a lot. The ability to use prayer meditation to receive God's will directions into my life—that is a powerful tool. Now, as he said, rather than to use it as he did in the past. Now this is the way I always used it. I never used prayer and meditation as two tools that complemented each other. I used it prayer by itself. I used prayer by itself to sway God's will, as Bill said, and list my petty needs. You know, it didn't work. But I always tried to kind God. You do this, and I'll do that. You know? But I never. And I, I use God to, to fetch things for me. I need this. Give me this. Give me that. I had a bellboy, You know, bring me this and bring me that, bring that. But never did I use God to direct my life. And that is the single most thing that I needed. So these two things are to be used together. like, It's just like a, a telephone. You know, you can have a telephone with just a speaker in and no earpiece, you're in bad shape. You can't do a lot of business. <laughs> you really can't. You don't try that. So these things complement each other. Prayer and meditation. Well, the first thing he tells us to do is at night. When we retire at night, we construct and review our day. Then we stop, you know, do this at night. When we're resentful, selfish, dishonesty, do we all apology. And we kept something to ourselves which should have been discussed with another person. And we can see other steps. And we missed step five today. You know what I mean? How are we? How are we? How are our, short, our shortcomings? But we review each day and we ask God's forgiveness and require what corrective measures should have been taken. Now, we go, it don't take very long. You know, at night, we can sit down and, uh, and look at our day. And there are two wheels on the face of this earth. And I can look at my life today and I can see, well, what today was God's will in my life? And what was self-will? And I can see resentments, I see fear. I see all the things that come out of self. And as I review my day, I see some of the things that that come out of God's will. I can see God's will working in my life, and I can see self-will. No no day has has been the same. Some days more on one side, some days more on the other. And I look at my life every day. If you look at your life, you've got to get better by doing this, you know, because you're going to learn more and more about yourself. And it just takes just a few minutes to stop each night to do this. And when we see what corrective measures can be taken, you never had a perfect day. Never, Never been a perfect day. And then he talks about what we do when we get up. He says, on awakening, let us consider our 24 hours ahead. We you know, we alcoholics. Uh, I always think about my sponsor one of the old guy's sponsors I had. And he said, you know, get up in the morning and get your life together. Look at things. He said, You just like a damn duck. You know an alcoholic just like a duck. He said, You get up in the morning, you squawk, and you crap in the middle of the road and say, Here i come, world. You know, I mean just flop out there. And the world bats you around. You don't have we don't alcoholic don't have no organization in his life. You know, man. I don't, you know, man. Get up in the morning and get yourself together. think about the twenty-four hours in the head. We'll ask God to direct our thinking. That's you know. Especially if we divorce from self pity. In these conditions, we can employ our mental facility with assurance, but after all God gave us brains to use. You know, we alcoholics are. That's I'm great, we got great minds. I'm telling guys today, you know, I always tell alcoholics, think about your mind. Just think what a great mind you have. And then look at your life. Is your life as good as your mind? Mine isn't. So there are certain things that block me off from really using my mind. When my thinking is clear the wrong motives, then I can use my brains. And We got great brains, you know. But we alcoholics, you know, we get into this garbage. Our thought life was being placed on a much higher plane when we were taking this credit with wrong motives. And I remember, you know, this is true in my life. Uh, uh, I remember and I first sobered up and I had a little problem one day. And I tell you, I, I remember the Pacific time. I don't remember what the problem was, but what it wasn't much. Or what, I couldn't handle much. I hadn't been sober for about a couple of months. And instead of All at once, instead of acting like a child and getting off of one of these puffy moves and running from it, I went and hounded the problem like an adult. And I remember I felt so good. You know, I thought my way through the thing instead of responding to it like with all of a bunch of emotions. And immediately, I had a, a, after that was over, I had a funny thought. I said, boy, that was fun. That's really fun being adult and having problems. And the next thought comes to my mind, well oh, I wish I had another problem so I could do that again. That's fun, you know. But for the first time I had been able to respond to life. And I remember, but we alcoholics, you know, we get into this garbage. I thought life would been placed on a much higher plane when we were thinking spirit of the wrong motives. And I remember, you know, this is true in my life. Uh, I remember and I first showed up and I had a little problem one day. And I'm telling you, I, I remember the Pacific time, I don't know what the problem was, but what it wasn't much, but what I couldn't handle much. I hadn't been sober for about a couple of months. And instead of all at once, instead of acting like a child and getting off of one of these puffy moods and running from it, I went and handled the problem like an adult. And I remember I felt so good, you know. I thought my way through the thing instead of responding to it like with all a bunch of emotions. And immediately I had a, 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 a after that was over, I had a funny thought. I said, boy, that was fun. That's really fun being an adult and having problems. And the next thought I'd come to my mind, oh, I wish I had another problem so I could do that again. That's fun, you know. But for the first time, I had been able to respond to life that I remember. As a, as a situation like an adult. Come and this comes to the working of the understanding. Now so in the morning we get we get our thoughts together. And those are two things, those are two points at night and in the morning. We can all do that. I think it's great, you know, to, to ask God to direct our lives and to have a, a this is a positive spiritual life. To ask God before the day to invite him into our lives. I never did that. You know, all the only way I tried to use prayer before in my life, I got up in the morning and, and did exactly what I wanted to do all day long. Raised all kind of hell, made all kinds of a mess, and then at night I stopped for about five seconds and said, forgive me, and jumped in me. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I said maybe, I, I, it really didn't, it didn't work for me. So, you know, regardless of what we have done in the past, we're talking about fashioning some new ideas, some definite, valuable suggestions into our everyday spiritual life. Now, sometimes through the day, we're gonna face indecisions. And we do, every day in my life, I face things every day right today that I don't have answers for. You know, I'm just one little individual. I've been on the face of this earth for a short period of time, and we'll be in the expanse of time. This is a very complex world in which we live. You know I me? Mean? And you see a lot of people say they know it all, and you better watch out for one of those. Because when you know it all, boy, you're in trouble. We're very limited, regardless of who we are. We have a very limited knowledge of this world and the circumstances of it. And all I have is my little. Few years of experiences and the things that happened to me, and a few things I've learned. And so something on these days, something may come up that I don't have the answers for. When something, when I run into a problem, I go into my little computer, and it's very limited. We've got some limited information, and I run through the tapes, and most times the tapes will say, we don't have the, we don't know that. <laughs> you don't think about it a second, and they shut off, and they go, flip, 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 that's it, you know. And I say, go through again. I write it through and say, flip, 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 flip. Well, what you do, the book says, that's frustrations. You know, realize you don't know it. I say, relax and take it easy. Then I plug into another computer from within. I have a source of knowledge. God has knowledge of all, of all things. And God, all things are possible till so there is some information within, it's within me. Within me, I have two sets of directions. If I can get shut now, if I can plug in to God's directions. And God knows all. You know, God has 10,000 answers to every problem I have, but he will allow me the ability to wrestle with it on my self if he wants to. He's not going to meddle into it. As soon as I can turn it over God, Relax, take it easy, and don't struggle. Right from within, not out in the air, a lot of times I get the right answer. Something will say something to me. Why don't you call Nancy? Why don't you call Carol? Why don't you talk to Bill about that? Later on, see, I put that down, go on and do what I can. I at least go out and cut the grass because I ain't worried about that problem anymore. I don't turn it over. Right from within, a lot of times God's the picture to be through another person. Mm-hmm. so God is within other people just like he's within me you know and I can listen to other people today you know I used to listen to other people today I can listen to other people and God comes from strange people and sometimes it's not from the people that I'm looking up to it may be some person I'm unsuspecting and they tell me they give me the answers and the answers will come after we try this for a while so God, God can direct our lives. He said, what used to be a hunch, we we'll always have hunches, our occasional inspiration gradually become a working part of our minds. And when we but and after a while, we will we'll, we'll rely on this. At first, the, our book says, still being experience, we're gonna have trouble. This is not overnight matter if you knew. But as you begin to practice this step, day in and day out, over a period of time, you will find that you can make this work at all times, then you can stand and face the world as a successful person. You know, I don't have all the answers, but I have access to answers. You know, right from within, I know God has all these answers. So as we as we use this, this becomes a this is a, a definite and valuable suggestion. Now, as we move on into this, he talks about teaches us how to pray. And uh, I think this was, you know, how do we pray? And we all, we all have a, an individual perception of God. We all have an individual, a spiritual life. God can't contact through our in most innermost self. But you know, I had to really, in a way, lay aside my old concepts because they hadn't worked anyway. And I developed a, a, a new direction, a new prayer life. And my book tells us, you know, that, that we don't ask God for all the things. You know, my, my prayers used to be like a list of Saturday clocks. God, do this, do this. Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me that. If you do this, I'm gonna do that. And I, 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 just, I just, and, and it says that it's, there's nothing wrong except they're a waste of time, because it we'll going work. A waste of time. It's a waste of time. Come and there's no need that I have to ask God for anything because I know God knows my every need. There's no way I could exchange today a list of things I want for the things that God wants me to have. The list that God, for what God wants me to have, far exceeds my imagination. And my little list could not compare. And I think if I could go back to 1962 in my life, if I could go back to when I come to the Alcoholics Anonymous and I could see I just imagined the list that I would have made. And boy, if God had did those things in my life, uh, and, and, and it would cut me off from all of all the things that God had given me, how small my life would have been. God's gift for us is greater than anything that we can imagine. So we don't have to tell a list what we want. We're not going to get it anyway, but some of the things we, we want are going to hurt us. God is going to, all we have to do is pray for God's direction in our life. And you know, I had a, I had a lot of problems and and as I say my in my prayers, I had to face a new prayer life, and I, I always tell the story of how my prayer life began. I, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. I didn't go this. i got a friend of mine who always talks about the Southern Baptist church. He went to the Southern Baptist, but them Baptists would drown you. You know, I went to the Methodist <laughs> church. <laughs> I always was scared of water, you know. But, we had a brother in our church, and I always really talk about this self-love, and I, as a kid, and I remember, here at the pew, the pews, I remember the pew that I sat in, and we sat over near the edge, and he sat near the center. And we had to be in that pew every Sunday morning. I mean, you had to be there, you know, Sunday, we just all day in that, church, you know. And uh, Brother Sanders used to pray every Sunday morning, and he, I, I remember him in a, in a brown suit. He always had a, the same brown suit. And he had a watch bar that on a chain, and it was fascinating. It was a pretty chain, and there was a red stone in it, and I could always see it bobbing off of his face. There was a kid looking down at his friend. And he would always get down when he started praying. He would ask God for everything in heaven. Took about a half hour to pray for us. We were in bad shape. And he would say, "God give us this, and God give us that, and God bless the preacher, and God bless the preachers wife, and God bless the ladies' aid, the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, you know, and the auxiliary, and the number one circle, and do this, and do this, and do this." He had great details. And he said the president, the vice the president, the senator, everybody, you know, the police, America. And God do this to stop the war and get the Chinese boy. He here. <laughs> okay. And then he went on about a half hour. And then he would give God all kinds of directions. You know? And here I am just learning from him. You know, that's the way I learned. And then his final statement was, Lord, that in our haste we had omitted, please grant us that also. <laughs> I have to ask, this guy said, if we left out something, we want that too. <laughs> now, well, you, you know, you've been doing that for years, and that's your way of doing things. There's nothing wrong with it. So. But then we come to AA, and we have to fashion an AA prayer life. Something simple. Something to the point. We really don't need to waste our time listing our specific petty needs. Only thing we really need, because oh, that blocks the, the, this flow, it blocks our communication, all we really need is one single thing, God's will in our lives, God's directions in our lives, and the power to carry that out. Now once we have, you know, it says throughout the book, it tells us what to do when we end down, at the bottom of the page. This is a beautiful exercise in our book. And we practice these as suggestions each day. I guarantee anybody here that will practice these over a period of a few months, you will develop a healthy life of, of prayer meditation that is good, that will work for you as good as anything you ever find in any given life. It will work through practice. These simple exercises on a day-to-day basis. Now he says, you know, we alcoholics are undisciplined. We are undisciplined. so we let God discipline us on the way we have just laid out. You no, know, if you if you if you look at your life at night, uh, then you know you and look at your life in the morning, and if you ask for God's directions throughout each day uh, using these tools, if you stop when you have indecision and let this thing work in your life at that time. When you have in doubt, if you stop and let it work in your life, and if you pray for God's directions each day in a simple way, then you will be having God's directions come in, and this His direction will be disciplined your life. Okay. God, through God's directions, and they come through these two, they will direct and discipline our life. We are undisciplined people. You know, and as we practice this step, you know, um, God begins to grow in our lives. Now, yeah. whatever we choose to call this thing within ourselves, you know, we, we'll find that each day that, that we can stand firmly and face life's successfully. we find out we have answers. We're not relying on self anymore, we've become to rely on this power. And once these as we, as these things become to work, and we see the results of them, then we really develop faith. So once we have completed step 11 of all intent, you know, the 11 steps, the, these 11 steps are, uh, this is the final thing that comes into our life. It's all about self will and God will. And having received this, this is really the final, the, the icing on the cake. And step 12, it says, having, having received this, as a result of these steps, then, we, then now we're going to, this is a giving step. The first 11 steps we receive. And, and the 12th step, after we get it, then we have to give it away. We're going to grow through giving. The 11 steps is receiving steps, and giving away is a 12th step. But we said we cannot transmit, though. We can't give away what we haven't received. So next week we'll go into growing through giving away of what we receive through the first of (laughs) those